and welcome to Crossview Radio Weekly Podcast for Wayne County. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We exist to glorify God by exalting Christ and magnifying the gospel for the joy of all nations. Well, today I want to talk about a subject that, uh, I guess depending on how you look at it, I'm either extremely uh, qualified for or else extremely uh, underqualified for. Uh, I attended uh, public school from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, and I wanted to have a podcast series on everything that I had to unlearn from that experience, and basically just want to share my notes with you. Now, I will say in full transparency that I got the idea for this podcast from Wilson's Public School Rehab Uh, But I wanted to have um, maybe a slightly different focus in this podcast. Now, I just want to say, uh, before I get into this today, that uh, one technical detail is that I'm going to be speaking of of what I'm going to call the old order, uh, which was basically the way that public school functioned when I was there. Uh, Basically... Since that time, uh, well, at that time, relativism had crept into our ethics. Uh, relative, relativism, of course, had crept into literature and that sort of thing, but it had not yet crept into the hard sciences. Uh, today, relativism has crept into the hard sciences, not everywhere, um, uh, but some places it has crept into the hard sciences but you have some schools arguing that mathematics uh, is not absolute and those kinds of things nevertheless I'm going to give it a go today and we're going to start off today with uh, my first false assumption is what uh, what we'll call these we'll call these false assumptions uh, from public school that need to be undone and by the way, we probably will only get through one of them today, uh, but over the next several weeks, um, we'll go by them uh, each in turn. So false assumption number one is this, knowledge is neutral. If you went to public school, <clears throat> one of the first facts that you need to undo uh, is that is is one that you were not likely taught directly. You were likely taught this indirectly. It's an implication, something you absorbed rather than being directly taught. Maybe it is even something that you've never consciously thought of, but you've absorbed it and you filter reality through it. It may actually be better to say that this is like a pair of glasses that you put on and interpret the world through these this lens. And of course, the false assumption, as I've mentioned already, is that knowledge is neutral. The public school system teaches us that we all have different beliefs, but the same basic facts. So you can be a Christian and believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, or you can be a Buddhist and believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4, or you can be a Hindu and believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. But this assumption that this knowledge is kind of neutral is far from the truth because we recognize that all facts are God's facts. All truth is God's truth. Mathematics or gravity or the second law of thermodynamics, all of these rules or laws or truths can be properly categorized as Christian dogma. That is to say they are true because Christianity is true and they are incompatible with any other worldview. 
If a systematic theology, for instance, were to include a section on the laws of nature, it would be included under the section on divine providence. Gravity would be in this uh, section of the systematic theology. These things are part of God's providence in sustaining the universe. Gravity is, for example, a description of one of the ways that God upholds the universe. All wisdom belongs to God. God dispenses wisdom because it is in his possession. In Proverbs 2 and verse 6, we read the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We also have to recognize that there is no such thing as neutral territory. As Jesus says in Matthew 12, 30, whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. The world would have us believe that subjects like math or science or history are not distinctively Christian. They believe that these subjects are inherently neutral, that they are disconnected from any particular religion or worldview. But the truth is that science, math, history at all are not only compatible with Christianity, but they require it. I want to make my case today chiefly through the laws of science. Now, we live in God's world. God created the world that we live in, and he also created not just the physical things in this world, but he created the immaterial laws that govern it. Atheists, if they were honest, cannot account for, say, the uniformity of nature, or sometimes referred to as induction. Take, for instance, the first law of thermodynamics. This law says that the total energy of the universe remains the same. So heat energy, for example, can be converted but never destroyed. Students are taught that the first law of thermodynamics exists, but they are not taught why or how it exists. And more importantly than that, they cannot explain why it is consistent, absolute, dependable, reliable, unchanging, and invariant. In fact, overly inquisitive children may even be discouraged from thinking on this level. When little Johnny asks his teacher why apples fall out of trees, and if it would be ever possible for apples to fall upward, he's greeted with some incoherent mumbling, something about not getting paid enough to do this job, and a quick, it's time for recess, kids, remark. The problem is not that Johnny's question was childish, quite the contrary. His question is rather brilliant, one that philosophers have wrestled with for ages. The problem is that the teacher's worldview is not equipped to handle such questions. Why? Because the teacher's worldview is predisposed to reject certain kinds of evidence and data, namely the kind of data that's presented by those pesky theologians. In other words, a materialistic, knowledge-is-neutral kind of worldview is insufficient to understand the world around us. Christianity is required in order to make sense of it all. Do you have any reason in a neutral worldview, for example, to believe that the law of gravity will remain in effect tomorrow? Do you have any reason to believe that it will operate with the same intensity and the same level of force that it operates in today? The Christian has a reason, by the way, and that's a theological one, of course, and that's given to us in Genesis 8 and verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Furthermore, we read in Colossians 1.17 that Jesus Christ holds the universe together. It says this, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
gravity is not an impersonal force that just exists in the universe independent from everything. It's a description. It's precisely a description of the way that Jesus Christ holds all things together. Laws of science are not just cold, impersonal forces of nature. They are descriptions we give to the way that God's hands manage his creation. We might say it this way. Knowledge that corresponds to reality is not neutral. It is Christian. The Scottish philosopher David Hume dealt with this problem. It is, in philosophy, the problem of induction. You see, the scientific method today is based on induction. That is to say, you look at the particular instances and then you conclude universal laws. After you observe a thousand apples fall from a tree, eventually you conclude that there is a universal law that you can call gravity. But Hume had a problem with this because you could never observe enough individual instances to conclude for certain that gravity is universal. Let me give you an example of the difference uh, between induction and deduction and see if this maybe helps to clarify it a little bit. Deduction is where you look at the infrastructure of, say, the government. Let's say specifically traffic laws. And you see that written in the books is this law that cars are supposed to stop at red lights and wait to go until they turn green. And so you have found the records, you found the infrastructure, you found the documents, and now when you go out into the onto the road, the street, you can just simply say that car right there is going to stop because the light turned red. You can take the general uh, universal principle and apply it to the particular instances. Now, if you were to do this uh, uh, inductively, on the other hand, Instead of reading the laws that the government has given or that the the DMV has given, what you're going to do is you're going to take your little notebook out and you're going to put your um, camping chair out on the side of the road and you're going to sit there all day long and you're going to take notes and you're going to say, okay, car number one, the light turned red and it stopped and then the light turned green and it went. And car number two, the light was red and it stopped and green and it went. And you're going to make all these. And then after you've made that observation about a thousand times, you're going to conclude there must be a law somewhere that cars are supposed to stop at red lights. Now, the problem with this, uh, this scientific method, is that suddenly and without warning, as you're sitting there on the side of the road, you are fascinated by the fact that you watch a car stopping at a red light, but then it goes through the red light. Uh, it does not wait for it to turn green. It goes through the red light to turn right on red. And so your observation, your initial uh, hypothesis that cars always stop at red lights until they turn green is now incorrect because there was an exception to the rule that you didn't know about before. And so now you have to say, oh, that must not be, there must be something else here. So with traffic laws, you can always go and find the law on the books. You can always fall back on deduction. You can always say, give me what the rule is, and then I'll be able to know for all the particular instances how that rule plays itself out. But in science, we don't have access to the books where the laws are written. The infrastructure is invisible. There's no book that tells us... uh, about the the laws of thermodynamics. There's no uh, books that tell us about inertia and about sound waves and light waves uh, and all those kinds of things. 
we cannot use deduction. We have to use induction. So what you do is you drop a thousand apples from a certain height and you conclude that there must be a law somewhere written in the foundations of the world that we call gravity. You can look at the infrastructure of government today and see the laws written on paper, but you cannot look at the infrastructure of nature. David Hume would say that you can't be certain because you have not observed all the individual particular instances. You've only observed some. You've only seen 10 cars stop at the traffic light. You haven't observed uh, a million cars or an infinite amount of cars, so you don't know that it's always the case that this is uh, this law is in effect or that you don't know that there's there's not another law that sometimes conflicts with this law in some kind of a way. The average public school then is not equipped to answer Hume's skepticism. Why? Because they've opted to remain neutral, or at least pretending to remain neutral, instead of embracing biblical Christianity. What am I saying? I'm saying that neutrality is a pipe dream. Your public school teachers taught you to think that knowledge is neutral, or at least they assumed it. But that really isn't the case. God is the foundation for knowledge, and the reason we can know anything at all is because of him. Now, assuming all of this is true, and I believe that it is, what are the consequences of this? In other words, we might say, so what? Is this really a big deal? Did you just waste uh, the last 15 or so minutes uh, discussing a bunch of pointless rhetoric? Well, at some point, your presuppositional commitments are going to shine through, and they're going to cause you to either go in a right direction or a wrong direction. And so I want to give you a handful of, um, of implications of, of getting it wrong here. First, um, to assume that knowledge is neutral and does not belong to God inoculates unbelievers against the truth. Unbelievers will believe that the world is compatible with their atheism or their agnosticism or their empiricism or whatever their uh, ruling pre-commitments are. Unbelieving public school students are taught what to think, but not how to think. Furthermore, they're not taught to grapple with these important questions about induction, the uniformity of nature, and the pre-commitments of knowledge. And so they will continue on in their path, not bothered by the Christian because he is a backwards ape man who doesn't know anything about modern science. Second, this false assumption forces believers to view the world as a dichotomy between the secular and the sacred. Rainbows are now only a collection of materialistic causes that are detached from the Lord instead of, as they really are, a declaration of his lordship. It's like those little trays that you get your food on as a kid with different compartments. The watermelon doesn't touch the meat, which doesn't touch the potato chips. We view the world this way, namely that God doesn't touch math, which doesn't touch music, etc. We need to see that God is directly connected to all of these things. We need to have a theology that is robust and that informs us of everything, a theology of all of the world. Third, this false thinking produces Christians who are underdeveloped in their understanding of the sovereignty of God. They might be able to say, yeah, God is in control of the spiritual aspects of my life, but perhaps falling into a certain brand of deism, they fail to see how God is sovereign over everything, weather, sound waves, the law of inertia, and all of those kinds of things. 
Fourth, getting it wrong in this area creates malnourished Christians who cannot possibly understand how theology could relate to mopping the floor. Important Christians, they think, will go to the mission field, but there's nothing glorifying to God about raising a family, changing diapers, folding laundry, and fixing the drywall in your house. Fifth, this sewage is seeping into other areas as well. So that now we think that we can uh, create a society, that a society can come together, we can all set aside our various worldviews, and we can create a harmonious society where we all value the same things, like honesty, integrity, unity, etc. That is impossible. Society needs Christ. Culture needs Christ. Government needs Christ. Technology needs Christ. Art needs Christ. It all needs him because he is Lord of it all, and he will not tolerate rivals, even supposedly neutral ones. Thanks for listening to Crossview Radio. I'm John Marino, pastor of Crossview Church in Orville. We meet Sundays at 10 a.m. To find out more about Crossview Church, visit us online at crossvieworville.com.